is Wyman and Bob. On Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. I hope everybody's having a great day out there. And if not, we've got things to make your day great. This show. This show will make your day great from uh, 2 to 7 p.m. each and every day. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk to uh, Sam Fortier. Is that how you say his last name? Lefko? Yes. Fortier. Uh, He's a Washington Post commander's beat writer. Covers the commanders. We will talk to him about Eric Bieniemy, who's available an offensive coordinator, and the Seahawks need an offensive coordinator. We will get into that conversation. Also talk about what happened with Ben Johnson out there and everything else going on with the commanders. So that comes up at 3 o'clock, 3.30. We will roll the tape. And then at 5 o'clock, El Hombre. Michael Bradley will join us on the program. Uh, but you and I have, have sort of just kind of skimmed the surface on Enemy Dave. He's a guy that it feels, I don't know, how many years in a row has it been? Each and every year, everybody's going, how come he's not getting a head coaching job? How come he's not getting a head coaching job? He's had interviews. Um, it's, it, it feels, what has it been, six years, five, seven? I don't know. I don't know how many years in a row it's been. It feels like it's yeah. just kind of an annual thing that we hear. Right. Uh, but he is unemployed at this particular moment. Is he a guy that you look at and say he's he's an attractive option as, a, as an offensive coordinator, or do you have some apprehension with him? Well, I mean, first of all, I think anybody who um, is an Andy Reid guy, you know, he, he recommends him, um, you know, endorses him, then you got to think, okay, he's probably a, a really good coach. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think it would be something about his personality the, as to whether or not he, he would fit here. But, you know, I mean, look, I played against Eric Bieniemy. He's one of those guys that was constantly talking on the field. He wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't was he your the, favorite. He wasn't the <laughs> nicest guy, Bob. Okay, uh, and he was just somebody who was constantly, you know, you know, he's a competitor. Yeah, is what he is. But I don't know. I mean, every once in a while, you come across these guys, and I think more than anything, it's that he's old school. And I know a lot of people talk about how you have to treat these guys differently now, and I agree with that because look, these guys are. You know, I always say this about the NFL just in general. If you're a coach, they're all making more money than you, and they can all whoop your ass yeah. pretty much. So, I mean, you know, as far as having a voice and, and respect and things like that, it sounds like that's where he's kind of lacking because, you know, some of the players that have played for him have said, you know, look, this guy's a screamer and a yeller, and, you know, that's not really the way that, uh, that things are going in the NFL right now. It's very, like I said, old school. Yeah, it's uh well Dan Quinn, he he's the new head coach out there obviously and he he made a pretty quick adjustment on the offense when hiring Cliff Kingsbury and and letting Eric Bieniemy go and this is what Dan had to say about him. You know, I had a good visit uh Chick, I'm glad that you brought up EB cuz um I think he's an excellent coach. And so I had a chance to visit with him uh today and so we'll continue that dialogue to go he's, you know no longer we're not going to work together here but in this coaching brotherhood I wanted him to know uh man I really respect the work that he's done and uh as coaches you know we all stay connected even though we're on different teams so I wish EB nothing but the best and uh he'll do a great job I was really uh pumped that he took his shot this year and went for it and so I've got a lot of respect for him is that the first time you've heard that sound yeah yeah so based on how it read Based. It, it sounds better than the way it read, certainly. Way, yeah, you're right. Way, way better. But it, it's clear that yeah, he's not my guy. Good luck to him, and I'm ro- rooting for him as a coach in this yeah. brotherhood, but he's not my guy. 
Yeah, and he calls he's only him, been there for one year. So yeah, he calls him EB. Yeah, you know, but I mean, I think you know what you get when when you hire Eric Bieniemy, and so I don't. They haven't. I don't know how much their paths have crossed, but enough to to call him EB. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I. I Maybe I think there's somewhere for him in the league for sure. Whether or not he's a he's a head coach type, there's lots of coaches that just aren't, you know. And Josh McDaniels found that out. So uh, to me, that's that's the explanation that I have for why he doesn't get a head coaching job, and maybe he rubs some people the wrong way, kind of like what we talk about with Harbaugh. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like you know he talked about him with sort of endearing terms and. You know, thinks he's a he's a really good coach. Yeah, it just it, it's it's interesting, and I'll play these cuts I, I found last night. I sent to Lefko, but Lashawn McCoy had some not flattering remarks about him as a head coach, uh, and we'll get to those in a moment. But he's he's interviewed a number of times for head coaching jobs, hasn't come up with them, and there are those that would imply, oh, it's it's, it's racially motivated, all this. Well. I mean, you, you saw Antonio Pierce get hired this year. You saw Gerard Mayo get hired this year. You got nine head coaches that are that are black in the in the league, and I'm not saying that's the appropriate number, but your other black coaches have been hired in the time that he's been interviewed. I, I don't buy that there there's a racial bias just against him, just against him, not any other black head coaches, just him for some reason. No, it's it's got to be. He doesn't interview well. He's abrasive. There's something about him in his background, and I know he's got some issues. Somebody sent a link yesterday I couldn't open. If you send us links on the text, we can't open them. But mm. about all his little, you know, misdeeds off the field, what have you. I don't, I don't really know everything. But it's, it's, it's about him. It's not about the color of his skin, because too many other guys have have gotten jobs in the time that he's been interviewed uh, each and every year. So. It, it to me, I'm looking at it going. All right, is is this guy a jerk? Is he is he? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he worked well with Andy, but he just doesn't work well in any other setting. I mean, you know, in in Lashawn McCoy, I, I thought these were interesting. He was on. This is from uh, February of this past season. He was on the I Am an Athlete podcast, and he was talking about how he just doesn't like the way that the enemy talks to players. Me and the coordinator, then we had a difference about different things, right? And I'm gonna say this: it's the reason why. Every year they keep hyping him up to get a, a coaching job, a head coach or office coordinator job Ooh. for everywhere else, and you don't get one because he's still talking about Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, and the players. You bring this up now, we got a minute. I'm just like, the truth. <laughs> because some players, right? He talks to them a, a certain way, and some players would take it. I wouldn't take it. Like, whoa, you know, as some question I would ask, everybody's accountable. Yeah, that's why it's not because he's a black coach. That's not the reason. The reason that because he, I won't get into that, but I'll say this. You can't. You it's, can't say you, there's a reason. I mean, yeah, what yeah, got, yeah. We ain't got We got But that's the reason why that every year they hype him up to get a job, and then when the time comes, nobody hires him because they know what type of coach he really is. So you're saying Eric Bieniemy was the why you stopped playing in Kansas City? Yeah, come on, man. That's wow. I think that what it was. Well, you know what's funny is when you think about him with Andy Reid. You never saw anything but respect from him on the sidelines, and you know yeah. he he thought Eric was a or EB as some call him uh, thought that he was a really good coach. So and and you know I don't necessarily believe that it's a generational thing. You know I mean I, I think that there are some old school guys that are like yes sir you know if he can mm-hmm. choose him out or whatever. You know um, some people can handle that some people can't. Uh, I remember my brother one time at a at Stanford 
practice. He he like packed his bags and was going to leave because one of the coaches grabbed his face mask and was ripping his head around and everything. He used to do that to me all the time. It didn't bother me. My brother was like, "Screw this!" You yeah, know? everybody's got a different yeah. tolerance, right, for, for things. Yeah, I mean, uh, and coaches knowing what buttons to push. I'll go back another one. I had my high school football coach just scream at me in front of the entire team, and I needed it. You know, I was uh, I wasn't playing well. Did you think that at the time? I need this coach. Give me more. No, I just remember like a rage building up in my brain and then going out um, the very first play and me and our offensive guard, we drove a guy like 20 yards downfield and you, know, you got the result you wanted. exactly what I needed. <laughs> and if you would have done that to somebody like my brother, and it doesn't mean he's soft or anything like that, he just didn't respond well to that kind of stuff. My brother's one of the toughest dudes uh, around, but you know, he just was like, I'm not, I'm not having that. I'm yeah. not having a guy grab my face mask and, and jerk my head around. This is, this is ridiculous. So yeah, it's, uh, it just depends on what kind of person you are and some people respond to it and some don't, but you know, as far as the, the topic goes is, I've always said this about the owners, just my experience with having known a few of them, like Pat Bolin and and uh, John Nordstrom. And, you know, I didn't really know who was our chubby little friend that owned the team for a while here. Ken uh, Baring. Ken Baring. I kind of <laughs> chubby was little okay. <laughs> I was okay with him. You know, I talked to him. He just, he was the one guy that didn't seem like uh, he was super dynamic. Yeah. Like, I think he had made his money with real estate and RVs, if I'm not mistaken. But... But yeah, so I mean, look, everybody has a, a different, you know, what what they want. But w- getting back to what I was saying about the owners, um, you know, I I've always kind of <laughs> it's not the best way to put it, but like they'll sell out their own mothers to win a championship. Yes, I their, mean their favorite color is green. That's <laughs> that's my that's just my take on it. Having been around the NFL since 1987. And, you know, but I I guess other people may have, you know, suspicions that it's something else. But I don't know when you hear from, you know, LaShawn McCoy and and people like that, like and maybe he maybe he doesn't even really want to be a head coach. I don't I mean, I know he's interviewed for it, but he probably knows what his ceiling is. Well, we, we touched on this yesterday that there was a story that came out pretty quickly after he got to Washington last year that some of the players had an issue with him, I guess, in the way that he was talking to him. And again, we'll at three o'clock, we'll get more clarity on this uh, is, is uh, Sam Fortier, who covers the team, will join us. Um, but yeah, that, that was a story I remember coming out pretty quickly, kind of going, wow, already there's, there's an issue out there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was his first year and some of the players were, I think the story said they were bristling at, at his communication or how he spoke to them or how he treated them. I'm not sure. But uh, one more from LaShawn. This was on uh, FS1, and he talked about just doesn't see the value uh, enemy would bring to the commanders as their offensive coordinator at the time. I hope he doesn't, but I think he will. What's his value? What makes him a good offensive coordinator? See, the problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, oh, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. They're not in the locker room. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching. And he has nothing to do with the pass game at all, right? When the plays are, are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about officer coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a very, very good coordinator. I can tell you what Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. But when I ask about Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch the film or practices and we correct the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. He may say things to the running back because he's an ex-running back coach. I get that. But he has no real responsibility. Now you go from the Chiefs, where you can hide behind Patrick Mahomes, 
my first practice, I couldn't believe it. He dog coaching, he dog cussing the players. Where <laughs> you can hide behind Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, not a ringing endorsement from LaShawn McCoy. And I'm not saying his, you know, he's the gospel truth, but he's been inside and worked with the guy, which is more than most people. So it's just interesting in considering who would be a good choice for offensive coordinator. He's a guy that's highly regarded as an offensive coordinator, but comes with obviously some some red flags. So I don't I don't know. I like I love the results in Kansas City, but McCoy Makes it sound like he didn't really have anything to do with that. That was all Andy Reid. Yeah. So, and then Washington wasn't great. It was only one year, but I don't know. I don't know if that would be somebody that would be a, a good choice. He's got experience. You love the history. You love he's 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 been in winning situations. But is, is there too much downside to him? Yeah, I don't. You know, to me, I I think he probably instills a little bit of toughness in in some of these guys, and I think that that's something that's maybe starting to you know and I, I'm I'm not trying to say oh it's headed towards flag football but you know some of the the grit and the grind and things that you have to fight through and stuff like that I just think he has an intolerance for anybody that doesn't go out there whether you're on one leg and a whatever my coach used to say or you know you're you're injured or you whatever you got a hamstring I'm sure he's one of those guys that you know, has that kind of that grit and that toughness. And I think he, you know, fit in somewhere. He'll fit in somewhere. But, you know, as far as him being and maybe it'll just take him a little bit longer as far as head coaches go. But it's it's interesting. And that, you know, LaShawn McCoy, I mean, that's one voice, but it is kind of confirming what we kind of thought about, you know, what what he's about. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, you know, if they wanted to kick the tires on him, bring him in for a conversation, I certainly wouldn't. I don't. I'd, I'd have to research more about what. That, again, somebody sent a link and I couldn't open it, so I'm not. I'm not dialed into anything that's happened with him off the field. I don't recall any huge stories, but yeah, there have been some some moments of, uh, I guess, tension as, as a coach with players. So maybe that's maybe that comes across in these interviews. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a weird thing, but it seems like an annual conversation. How is yeah. BNME not getting a job? And then when you point to it being racially motivated, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they just target the one guy because of the color of skin, but not these other guys? That doesn't mm-hmm. seem to make a lot of sense to me, but okay. Uh, so the Seahawks are in a position that only the Chargers can relate to right now. They are one of two teams that still need both an offensive and defensive coordinator. Uh, other other teams looking for coordinators. Raiders are looking for their offensive coordinator. Cowboys looking for their defensive coordinator. So two teams looking for both. Seahawks being one of them. I don't. I don't do you have a sense? And I know this is this is asking you to guess, but Leslie Frazier has been hired. It hasn't. I don't think the Seahawks have made that official yet. I don't think that that release has come out. But for all intents and purposes, he's a an yeah. assistant head coach. I wonder what his role is. What do you What do you imagine his role is? Is he Is he just kind of helping? Helping Mike McDonald oversee everything, just kind of you know making sure that something doesn't slip through the cracks for a first-time head coach, kind of being that voice like, hey, make sure you keep an eye on this or make sure you do this or don't let this happen. Or I'm curious what his role might be. Yeah, well, I, I, it's funny because I sort of assumed that that was going to be the guy who's going to kind of be like his acting defensive coordinator. Um, so, you know, he's, he's coached defense his entire life and, you know, he, he was a a head coach, uh, with the, with the Vikings and, you know, he 
secondary coach. I felt like, and he was a defensive coordinator for the Bills for 2017 through 19, also assistant head coach and defensive coordinator for the Bills from 20 to 22. And they took last, he took last year off. And so, I don't know, I, I just assume that this is going to be his defensive guy. Like, are they going to hire an actual defensive coordinator? They're going to run Mike McDonald's defense. So right. I feel like, you know, he might be his, uh, you know, the one guy that he leans on and kind of fills in for the defensive coordinator instead of hiring somebody, you know, that's, unless it's somebody off his staff or, or something from, from Baltimore, but it, you know, there's been a couple linebacker coaches that have been mentioned, but yeah, I, I feel like that would, if they go and get an offensive coordinator, I feel like, okay, you've got the two sides of the ball taken care of Yeah, with McDonald and Frazier sort of together. Yeah, I, I love the hire. I just don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, specifically what his duties will be. But I, I just love that he brought in somebody that's got the track record that that Leslie Frazier has. I think it's a great hire, and, yeah. and I'm I'm very interested and eager to see. All right, so what's his what's his role? What's what's Leslie get to do? And yeah. how how is he? And it just feels like you know in the in the story when that when that news came out is he's a longtime mentor. They were in Baltimore at the same time, and and somebody that obviously holds in very high regard. And I think that's huge for a young guy, 36-year-old, first-time head coach. I just love that he's got that sounding board and that that sort of backup yeah. with, with Leslie Frazier there. Yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, the times that he's been a defensive coordinator, um, it was Cincinnati for two years in 2003 and four, And then when you look at uh, when he was with the Vikings in 2007, then he, he got... In 2008 through 10, he was the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. And I, to me, I feel like that's what we're going to hear. That's that's going to be the the lineup there is that Leslie Frazier is going to be the same role he was with the Vikings, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. And then, you know, Mike McDonald will kind of behind the scenes sort of call the plays and install and, and things like that. But, you know, maybe he, he leaves install and, and things like that to Leslie Frazier so that he can oversee the team. He's got to watch both sides of the ball. But, yeah, I, I love that hiring and for the, the point that he's been for several years yeah. the D coordinator in the NFL. Is there any, uh, before we get to take two, do you have any, any not panic, but any, all right, you're going to fill these jobs? Do you feel like, hey, let, let's get going? Or do you feel like, no, you can take your time? No, I'd Is rather get going. <laughs> I think there's an urgency. I yeah. mean, people are are hiring guys up, and so yeah, that was. You know, we talked about the the uh, the press conference that he had, and what was you asked the question. You know, what's the one thing you wanted to hear from him? I was like, well, I, one of them was that we're going to fly around and hit on defense. We're going to be physical. But the other one, I was like, I'd I'd like a list of coaches. That'd be nice. <laughs> but you know, look, these things aren't official until we hear about them down the road. I mean, even even this with Frazier, I don't think is is it official yet. With I don't I don't think the Seahawks have, have released a statement. Uh, yet. They have not officially yeah. announced any coordinators yet. Yeah. So I mean, or any uh, staff, any assistants yet. Yeah. So they very well could have their entire staff assembled by now. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I feel like there is an urgency. I mean, you know, obviously, and not necessarily because. I mean, this is a good job, and a lot of people still want to come here to Seattle. But remember the Raheem Morris situation? It was like, hey, I got a head coaching offer over here. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I can't really hang around for you guys to wait whether or not you're going to hire Mike McDonald. And so, you know, maybe there's a couple of situations like that. But I don't know. I like to think that behind the scenes, they pretty much got a, a an idea for most of their 
their coaches. Hey, a reminder, the 89th Sports Star of the Year Awards are coming up February 15th. K.J. Wright is this year's host, and Seattle Sports will be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. You can find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's take two. Well, speaking of uh, assistants getting hired, former special teams coordinator for the Seahawks, Larry Izzo, is interviewing for the same position with the Bucks today. And Izzo has been with the Seahawks since 2018. He was like the first name you mentioned when I asked you, were there any coaches from the Pete Carroll regime that you hope yeah. stay with the team? And I think it was him was the first name you might have mentioned. It was. Yeah. And I, I thought that was it. The other one was Carl Scott, which it sounds like they are going to keep Carl Scott. Just because he's got a big brain and knows how to check out the big brain on Carl. Yeah, he is. He is really good. But yeah, this was kind of a no brainer. But they end up uh, reportedly hiring Jay Harbaugh, who was with Michigan for forever. So I don't I'm not sure, uh, you know, what what went on there with Larry Izzo. But that's the thing I think you got to think about is that like. For Mike McDonald, you know, maybe he's been waiting for a guy like this for a long time. And Larry is just because it makes sense to us that he would keep Larry Izzo. He's probably got a list of guys that like, hey, if I ever get a head coaching job, this is who I'm going to hire. And, you know, apparently Jay Harbaugh was on that list. We know it's been a busy offseason for the Dodgers. That uh, apparently continues today. Joel Sherman of the New York Post says Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers have agreed to a new contract. No terms known yet. The 36-year-old will be out uh, at least half the season anyway, recovering from offseason shoulder surgery. Yeah, I guess, you know, with everybody deferring money, they got money they can spend on a 36-year-old Kershaw who's going to give you half a season. But kind of a cool story that it's the only team he's played for. He's been one of the greats in, in Dodgers history, so... You know, hopefully that's where his career ends. He's able to stay in. They're obviously making that uh, concerted effort to keep him there. But you look at you look at what they've got to deal with. They don't really need him. They, they, they've got that luxury of going, yeah, take half the year. We'll be here. We'll be here when you're ready, Clayton. <laughs> it, it's amazing how, you know, these guys can pitch into, like, his late 30s. Now, it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing all the, the technology as far as medical goes. Kershaw, I always think about that weird sort of delivery it's has very herky jerky looks like he's putting his foot down and he's not and then yeah i'm curious how hard that is for a hitter to to pick up right away the first time you face him yeah it is it's disconcerting it's it's unnerving looking at him <laughs> kind of uh, like a diego castillo for you <laughs> unnerving for different reasons uh take two is brought to you by swedish Cyberknife. treat prostate cancer with swedish Cyberknife. swedish.org slash cyber prostate coming up Chiefs might be dealing with an on-field distraction during the Super Bowl. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, as the week rolls on, we'll start getting into this matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers and breaking that down. Final game of the season. Can't believe football season's already coming to an end. Man, it went fast. Yeah, but you know we got uh, we got spring training coming up here. Yeah, we got to take a trip down there. You got to get your flight, Bob. That's right. We got to we got to work on our flights. Work on your flights. <laughs> we got to work on our flights. Lefko will actually have a bed this time. That's that's the rumor. How about that? He liked the couch, but you know that was, was a giant couch. It was shared by a lot of people though before. I had to sleep on it. That he didn't like issue. everybody's backside sitting on it and then him sleeping on it. Bob would have had like plastic down. Oh. I was, was going to say, I think you could probably understand that feeling, though. Of course. Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially with whose butts were on it. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that's, I don't even want to think about that. So, uh, yeah, final week of the football season. We'll get into the matchup coming up. But one of the interesting stories with the, with the Chiefs is their wide receiver, Kadarius Tony, who notoriously lined up offsides uh, and it eliminated what turned out to be a great play. The the pass from Travis Kelsey running down the field, and it looked like this magical moment, and it was all negated because of where he was lined up. And he's a guy that hasn't li- really lived up to the billing in terms of what they expected when they signed him. Uh, you know, on the season, he's dealt with injury. He's just not been a very productive guy. Um, let's see, in 13 games this season, he's caught 27 passes for 169 yards and one touchdown. Yet he's he's been in the news. He seems to be a prominent figure out there, and he apparently took to social media because the Chiefs were saying that he was hurt. And he was out there saying I was not hurt, uh, you know, kind of countering their whole message. And he's he's kind of come out and trying to walk it back, saying he was taken out of context. And you know, he also I believe had the birth of his child going on, so there were reasons he was out. But he had ankle injuries. Uh, he was being listed as limited participant in practice all week. Uh, leading into the wild card matchup versus the Dolphins with hip and ankle injuries, and you know, and, and Andy Reid was asked about it, like, "Hey, what's what's going on with this guy? You're, you're saying he's injured. He's got a hip. He's got an ankle. He's saying he's fine." And Reid said, "I actually haven't seen it. I've heard people talk about it, uh, but yeah, well, he'll he'll be back out there, and we'll see how he does." Obviously, he's been on the injury report, so that part is not made up by any means. But he's been working through some things, and he'll get back out there. Um, and and for his part. I'm just looking at him and he doesn't really, he doesn't really, he's saying I'm somebody, I wanted to go out there and get my message across as far as my injury, but I shouldn't have done that at the end of the day. I'm a man and I can accept my mistakes just like I accept my wins, but I'm moving past that right now because we're here and we're trying to win. He also claimed that he's a number one wide receiver in the NFL as long as he gets the ball. And his quote, yeah, if I get it, if I get the ball, yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, you know what, this if, if you're Patrick Mahomes, do you trust the guy? First of all, everybody on that team was dropping balls. They led the league in drop passes, yes. and he was a big part of that. He's He's been more of a, a story because of what he says and does off the field than what he's done on the field. If you're in this – I don't know if he's going to play in this game or not. That's That seems to be up in the air. But if you're Patrick Mahomes, are you going, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you want to run him out there as a threat, have him run around? Sure. But if it's a crucial situation in the game, I'm not throwing him the ball. Yeah, well, and you look at um, his his catch to target ratio. It's thirteen, or I'm sorry, he he actually was was a little twenty seven catches. Yeah, twenty seven out out of thirty eight. But you know, he's only targeted him thirty eight times. If you look at Kelsey's one hundred twenty one, Rasheed Rice is one hundred two. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how important he is. I like the way that Andy Reid handled that. He's like, yeah, um, yeah, we'll get him out there and we'll we'll see how he does. Like, I feel like he knows more about it. Like he said, he didn't see the, the you know, post. The, the post and all that stuff. And I think that's the way to play that if yeah. you're Andy Reid. And he just, I don't know, have you ever seen Andy Reid boil over or get angry? I don't, I don't no. think I ever have. And you know, he's just that's part of being a really good coach. But gosh, I, I would think deep down inside as a coach, you would be. You little what what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, this is we made it to the Super Bowl and you're trying to make, you know, you have your own little personal agenda here. I mean, he doesn't sound like he, he doesn't like him, but <laughs> wonder what he really thinks about him because yeah, that's uh that's not cool going into this game. This is not about you. No, it's not. And and you know, when he's saying I'm a number one wide receiver if I get the ball, and I'm like, Yeah, that's that's that passive aggressive, they don't throw me the ball. 
Yeah, yeah if you give me the ball, I'm number one receiver. <laughs> but so that that to me was like, well, there's the stereotypical diva wide receiver personality we're all just kind of place on everybody unfairly uh, because you've got two guys out here that aren't that way. Three guys, JSN, Tyler Lockett is the polar opposite of that, and DK has never said a word about get me the ball. Yeah, well, and it would be also one thing if it was Sam Howell at quarterback, right? Yeah. But this is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, this guy finds all kinds of ways to extend plays and throw off, you know, off uh, tempo and his feet not set. And he's pretty much seen as the best quarterback, if not one of the top three in the entire NFL. And, you know, you're saying he's choosing to throw to Kelsey. He's choosing to throw to Rice. He's not choosing to throw to you. So I it's it's fairly damning as far as and he you know, he's played in what, thirteen games and you know, he's gotten the thirty eight targets, but if you look at the average of some of the other wide receivers, I mean you're looking at eleven, seventeen, his is six point three. Yeah. So I he doesn't have much of a case. Yeah, and he was, you know, where was he at? New York before this with the Giants. That sounds right. Yeah. And, and you know, there was a lot of expectation based on his physical gifts, and it just hasn't manifested. It has not, you know, come to fruition at this point. And, it, you know, two different two different stops, and you're kind of seeing the same things that, that, you know, were talked about in New York. So maybe that's just who he is. But it's just, it's just one of those things you look at a week going into the biggest game of your life. It's just these little things out there that, and I'm not saying it's going to impact the game in a negative way, but it's just like, why do I even have to address? Why is this even a, a story? If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm going, ugh, dude, shut up. Just stop. Just stop. We're trying. All of my focus right now is on the 49ers. I don't want to worry about how many targets you have or you, you're number one. If you get the ball, that's your passive aggressive shot there. And, you know, the team saying you're injured, you got ankle and hip injuries, and you come out and say you're not, that immediately brings conflict to the to the media to ask about it's just i don't know it's just it's one of those things i looked at as more of a nuisance like dude if i'm patrick mahomes i'm pulling him aside going give the team a break think about the team here yeah this is about us not you this is a collective and we are playing for the biggest prize there is in our sport some of these guys will never have a shot at it again we may never have a shot at it again this could be our last shot at a super bowl you never know and we gotta we gotta talk about this we gotta get questions about this I mean, you, you know somebody's going to go up to Patrick Mahomes and go, hey, how come you don't uh, throw Tony the ball more often? How, how do you explain his limited targets? Or what? What? how does he fit into the offense? You know it's going to come on the heels of that. Yeah. So he was a number one pick in 2021, like you said, with the with the Giants pick number 20. And, yeah, he's kind of fallen into that that stereotype of, uh, you know, the the diva receiver. Um, but, yeah, if you look at his, his uh, career, there's not a whole lot to like to think that this guy is you know a number one receiver his rookie year and he was the 20th pick in the draft he had 420 yards no touchdowns the guy's got three touchdowns in four years so i don't i guess this is one of those things maybe is this something that it gets blown up because every super bowl there's some kind of remember ray lewis there was the oh, yeah. <laughs> deer antler thing and then there was the oh i thought you meant the the other thing the other thing yeah, the, the deer limo. antler spray there was the 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 you know the i don't even know what you want to call it what happened off the field and blood stains on clothes obstruction and all of, that. of justice is that what that was yeah. okay there's a good way of putting yeah. it uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was at the Super Bowl where who was it? Barrett Robbins, I believe. The, oh yeah, from the, the Raider. Raiders who just disappeared to Tijuana. He went to Tijuana. 
hey, you know, he figured, how many times am I going to be here in San Diego? And just go across the, the border. Because yeah. wasn't that where that Super Bowl was? Yeah, it was in San Diego. Yeah. It was That was the first one I had been to. And that was a huge story. Like, your starting lineman just took off and nobody can find him. And he, he apparently had some uh, some issues he was dealing with. I don't know if bipolar or what was going on. But yeah. still, you're right. And what was it with the Bengals back in the day? Was it Stanley Wilson? Stanley Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Eugene Robinson. I mean, these things just happen the week of the Super Bowl, That's man. Right. These things just pop up, man. They just, it, 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 I don't know why. I don't know. You know, when the lights are the brightest and every bit of media is focused on you and one other team and that is it not even just sports media all me entertainment media is there and focused on you guys and that's when some of these guys choose to make these moves yeah and they're they're looking the media is looking for any kind of uh you know controversy that they can find to you know make it make oh, yeah. it juicy and uh, total shock that it's a wide receiver if you had to pick yeah. one position you know you said barrett barrett robbins was that his name yeah i think was that's he, his last he name a center i think he was the center i know yeah. he was on the o-line but i'm yeah. pretty sure he was i don't know if he was a guard or center yeah and yeah like you said he had he had some some issues but um yeah this one uh is <laughs> now that you start mentioning it like the deer antler i forgot about genie rob eugene yeah, robinson stanley wilson and yeah 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 not good not good hey uh we got an announcement that we are excited about uh, the John Schneider Show, the John Schneider Show returns on Thursday, February 22nd. Our weekly conversations with the Seahawks GM will run every single Thursday through the first night of the NFL draft. So uh, from the 22nd of February to the, I believe the first night is the 25th of April, if I have that correct. So we'll talk to uh, the Seahawks GM every single Thursday. We'll announce the time. we got to still nail down the exact time, but stay tuned to us and seattlesports.com for updates. So we did it last year, and that was a lot of fun. And it's going to be really, I think, way more interesting this year just because of John being in charge with uh, all the coaches. And then, you know, I'm sure he's, with all this stuff, he's probably way behind as far as, like, his work. I know they didn't go to the Senior Bowl. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be – he's got a busy offseason, but I'm really curious and, and really excited. To, to hear from John, well, you know, he's in charge. Yeah. This is uh this is his his team right now and the buck stops with him and it'll be uh, it'll be cool to see. I think he's gonna be the same humble guy. Oh, I, I have no doubts about no that. No doubts about that. All right, coming up, the NFL's momentum continues to grow, but that could be a bad thing for some fans. We'll tell you what we're talking about next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on seven ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 3 o'clock, we'll get some insight on what happened out there in uh, Washington. First of all, with Ben Johnson. And then also get a little insight on Eric Bieniemy as a coach. I don't have any idea whether John or Mike McDonald or... Anybody is interested in BNME as an offensive coordinator, but certainly a prominent name that is now available as the Seahawks look to fill their coordinator spot. So we'll get some uh, insight from Sam Fortier, commander's beat writer for the Washington Post. Uh, meanwhile, I was looking at this story, and these these come out every day, it feels like. Just the cost of the Super Bowl ticket price. We were talking about the uh, cost of the suite yesterday that uh, McCaffrey's mom is going to be sitting in, thanks to McCaffrey's fiance. Anywhere, money bags. Yeah, money bags. <laughs> uh, anywhere from 800000 to $2 million for a suite. Ah, once again, I just have to say, I'm someone who I have, you have expectations. 
when you when you go into that you spend that much money what could they possibly put in there that would make it like worth it don't you think whatever it was you'd be like oh these are crappy <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just picturing, yeah. you know, just basic ballpark food of some sort. Here's hot dogs, huh? Lefko's head pokes up. Yeah, well, of wait, course. He'd be happy. You've but... been to that stadium, right? Yeah. What was the food like there? Because it's probably just going to be an elevated form of that. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. I mean, See, that's was, the first thing I would remember. It was. I know that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, I, I think it was just like hot dogs, you know, like the, the standard thing. But, yeah, a few popcorn, pay- some candy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you pay that much money. I just feel like it's the expectations are going to be. Is it Dom Perignon that they're bringing Seriously, in? And, shouldn't it be? Yeah. And if you are the in the two million dollar category of the suite, I think there should be car keys set there, and you get to choose which new car you want to drive. Here's a BMW. Here's yeah. a Mercedes. You can take any one of these home. Any any one you want. <laughs> I mean, well, it's just it's ridiculous. Two million. Two yeah. million. The other thing is. I have been to four Super Bowls. One, I went by myself, and it was because my agent got me a ticket. It was at the Rose Bowl. It was the Giants against the Broncos, and the Giants boat raced them. And I was, I don't know if I ever told you that story, but I was, I got a single ticket. Yeah, you traded. Yeah, I traded with a player who was injured. He comes up, and he's like, I'm on the 10-yard line. He's like, hey, I got a really good seat. This is my dad you're sitting next to. I'm an injured Bronco player. You know, I understand if you don't want to trade. And I was like, you know, the young rookie. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, nah, I think I'll hang on to it. He's like, no problem, man. I thought I'd try. And he turns around and walks away. I'm like, oh, hey, 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 come back. Sit with your dad. So I end up going down and sitting in front of it was with a bunch of giant fans on the 50-yard line, like 12 rows up. Perfect so seat. It was awesome. You know, and they were, <laughs> it was like 65 degrees and sunny. They all had their shirts off and everything. So <laughs> like, yeah, there's four feet of snow back home. <laughs> but I mean... You know, that in really even being down there, I mean, you'd almost rather be higher up because it's just hard to see over the players and it's hard to see what's going on. And the other thing about it is that, you know, you realize when you go to these games that it's really uh, it's a it's an event that's meant to be on TV. Yes, it is so much better on TV. It is. I mean. I get wanting to go. If you're a football fan, that's the ultimate. Going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think most people probably feel a little let down because it's it's not like a normal game. The crowd is awfully corporate. And when you look at the prices, it makes sense. The uh, the low ticket right now on StubHub, just to get in, $5,400. Yeah. Just to get in. The average cost currently is $9,300 for a ticket. That's your average. That's not top. That's not by That's right there in the to get in that well and that's what people complain about because you don't get really like the the big fans of kansas city and san francisco you get a bunch of corporate partners basically is what it is so that's the other thing about it but you know the other experience i had was super bowl 40 we i was doing the post game show then and so we went into right after that game and that's where they lost to the steelers and got jobbed by the refs so uh we went and did you know our little wrap up while the the post um, guys, which was I think more Moyer and and Dory and I think Craig Terrell, they went back to the uh, the hotel and by the time we got there, they were like we had to cut the callers off because everybody was complaining about the officials mm-hmm. and I was like the officials, huh? You know, and you did I didn't really have a sense for it having sat in there yeah. and I thought a couple of them were crappy calls, but you know, and it it wasn't it, it you know it wasn't obvious at all. 
that that's what the big problem was uh, with that game. So, yeah, I mean, it just you feel like you're watching a game and there's not really a storyline or anything like that. And uh, it's way better on TV. Yeah, way better. I was at I was at the Janet Jackson Super Bowl. I was in great. I was oh, sitting next to Ice Cube. Was that Houston? It was. Uh, yeah, that was Houston, wasn't it? You were sitting. You were sitting next to. Ice Cube and a couple guys from his his crew. We had had him on the show earlier that day, which was kind of funny. That oh yeah. hey, good to see you again. But you didn't know that happened. Right. I had no idea anything out of the ordinary took place during the halftime show with Timberlake and Janet Jackson. And then in our section, they they came over with a stack of uh, papers and they were handing them to each person in the row. And it was an apology from CBS or Fox oh. or whoever was airing the game about you know the wardrobe mishap. And we're all looking at each other like, what are they talking about? What I miss. No idea. No yeah. idea. I mean, and even on TV, you had to be pretty quick. But it was, you're right. It's just some of the things you see on TV, the things you hear, you don't get any of that there. Yeah. And it is a muted environment, except for the Seahawks game, the Seahawks Super Bowl in New York. That was the loudest Super Bowl I've ever been to, and it's not close. I mean, yeah. they, they, Seahawks fans came big that day. They that were, was. they were huge because that's, I've been to seven, and that way it's not even close. Yeah. In terms of volume, the other ones were kind of like, Oh, it feels kind of weird. The vibe is weird. Yeah, that one felt like all right. You're at Lumen Field. That's how that one felt. But yeah, it's just the, the idea that people are spending on average ninety three hundred dollars to get in there and have what I guess an average seat. I don't know where that is, but if you're in a suite, eight hundred thousand to two million. It's just like man, I would much rather watch this game on my couch. Yeah, it's, it's it's much more enjoyable. Better product, and then you know, always the commercials are always a big deal. Yeah, and yeah, it's and you get to make your your favorite food. I don't know what kind of food they have there. I mean, we do nachos every year, and yeah, it's uh, you're probably not getting a good quality food or beer or anything like that. So why why five thousand dollars? Oh man, I mean, I guess if you've got that kind of money, if you're paying ninety three hundred dollars for a ticket, then you've you've probably done pretty well it's not a big deal and one time i get it i get just the curiosity and wanting to go and be there but i think once people have experienced it they're like yeah it was pretty cool but there's no i gotta go again next year you don't you don't i haven't heard that the other thing was super bowl 49 when um who is who is the color analyst was it um Turn the receiver from the Bengals. I'm blanking on his name right now. Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth, man, he just went on and on about, about the play. how bad that call was. And, you know, you were kind of like, if you were there, it was like, yeah, well, let's hear what that was about. It wasn't terribly obvious. And he just hammered that home. Yeah. And then everybody followed suit for years, yes. every yes. year since. Yep. <laughs> All right. Coming up, we'll get some firsthand insight on Eric Bieniemy and how the commanders are feeling about the Dan Quinn hire from Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. He's going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.